You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. This is the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and this episode is for Wednesday july the 12th uh 2023 i'm very excited to, to have this conversation uh with my good friends and frequent collaborators to the show nick turner and eddie ramirez we're gonna talk about the flash movie and oh yeah there's quite a bit to, to talk about and digest with this movie uh there's good there, there is good absolutely with the, the flash movie but there is uh some shortcomings and not just with the flash but with hollywood movies in general and we have a lengthy conversation about that whenever nick and eddie come on usually we're in for a long one so so sit back and, uh, you know, put up your feet, relax, enjoy this particular episode of the Casting for Fun podcast uh, for uh, Wednesday, July the 12th. Before I get to my conversation with Eddie and Nick, I do want to just give a qu- uh, quick shout out for some anniversaries that have already happened a few days ago and some upcoming anniversaries, which are really cool. So this past Sunday, July the 9th, was the 20th anniversary of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And I absolutely love the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, especially I love the first movie. The first movie is absolutely fantastic. And uh, my wife, Allison, is a huge, huge fan. She loves the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. She loves Johnny Depp. She loves the ride at Disneyland. So for the next episode of the Casting for Fun podcast, my wife, Allison, will be joining me. And we're going to have an extensive conversation about Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Also, this coming Friday, uh, July the 14th, uh, in music-related news, it's the 25th anniversary of the Beastie Boys uh, classic album, Hello Nasty. I haven't actually put down my my list of like top 10 favorite albums of all time. But if I did, you can guarantee Hello Nasty would be on there. In fact, it might even break the top five. Uh, This particular album is amazing. It's awesome. It's the best Beastie Boys album ever. And it's really awesome to celebrate its 25th anniversary coming up this coming Friday. And then lastly, I mentioned this in a previous episode. I'm planning to do an episode of the podcast talking about uh, the George Lucas film uh, American Graffiti, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary on August 1st. Uh, So stay tuned for that one. Uh, My good friend, Nathan Wolf, who loves the movie, loves 50s music, he's going to be joining me, and that's going to be available in a few weeks as well. So anniversaries are a cool thing. I I like celebrating anniversaries, and it's fun talking about the things that I love and having my friends on to join me to talk about these things as well. So all that being said, here is my conversation about The Flash with Eddie and Nick. And remember, this is a long one, so please enjoy. Returning to the show, it's Nick Turner and Eddie Ramirez. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Doing excellent. It's hot. It is hot, yeah. (laughs) I think it's hotter in Texas, man, so... Yeah, I, I don't know if we can really complain, Eddie, but but it, it is still hot. <laughs> it's been miserable. Be a spoiled Californian and <laughs> complain about mediocre heat. I know, and I always say I know, I didn't leave California for food and for weather. Mm. <laughs> you know, you don't leave California because yeah. you're going to get better food or weather. So. Mm. Very nice, very nice. So it's good to see you both. Uh, it's good to have you both on the show. It's always awesome to talk about uh, the movies and entertainment that we love. But uh, The Flash is a very interesting topic because of uh, how uh, poorly 
it, it's been doing in the box office and not just the flash i mean several of the high, high profile movies have been doing pretty poorly too so having a movie conversation i think would be really fun and just kind of branching out seeing where things go uh for us usually we, we can go pretty late so we'll see how we do tonight but it's always just a blast to have you wolf on so thank you for joining me tonight you know there's no sean here to slow us down so <laughs> Very nice. Very He's nice. not here to defend himself, so I get to say it. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Okay, so before we jump into the the Flash and other movie news, I want to go ahead and, as Eddie brought up uh, off camera or off the recording, uh, talk about Gold Cup. So really exciting uh, penalty shootout between USA and Canada. That was really really cool. I did see an interesting stat, which I think Nick will like, that uh, Matt Turner, the the number one goalkeeper for USA has faced 29 penalty kicks in his career and he saved 14. So he's just a hair under 50%, which is really, really awesome. So anytime a, a Turner is doing good in sports, I always want to bring it up with Nick. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's something it's weird. You never, as a kid, you never think your name will be on anything. And then as a kid, like we had Ted Turner, Turner network. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, well that like goes out the window, but you know, I, I didn't care about any of that. I wanted to be an athlete. So yeah, it's funny that now I'm in my forties and there's a couple professional athletes named Turner in different sports yeah. that are really good. And it's like, I got to buy that uniform because finally represent man. It's my own name. Little do they know until they ask. Right. You yeah. know, like it's, but it's my own name. I didn't make my own custom one. Yeah, it's yeah. a real person named Turner on the field. I did it when Rosa Ramirez for LAFC. I mean, no shame. You got a Ramirez in baseball. You you've had it your whole life, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Take all the take the small victories. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, up on next on the docket. So USA and Panama. So I mean, yeah. uh, uh, USA should be able to handle them. But you you never know. I mean, these Concacaf games are are so crazy. So you know, I thought I know we controlled the ball a majority of the game, but the whole game I felt uneasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like even though we were controlling it. Canada had good pressure on our defense and offense and like they were making us work. So I was really worried. I agree. I, think I wouldn't, after I thought we were going to lose. Yeah. After it was one, one, I think Canada woke up and they took that into the uh, extra time. Yeah. And extra time. That's where it really looked like, Oh man. And then, you know, they score and I'm like, Oh man. And you know, likely we are going to take it to penalties, but yeah, it did feel very uneasy. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I would argue that uh, Pan, um, uh, yeah, Panama isn't quite as good as Canada, as good as Canada. But you never know. We'll have to wait and yeah. see what happens. Look, isn't it? It's the first time I've ever seen a, a rough get taken out of a game. Yeah. <laughs> in the first, <clears throat> in the first minute. That's how it is, man. But it's but it's international games, especially in Concacaf. It's like I feel it's just. The refereeing is just subpar. <laughs> it's all just not the field's nasty. Home fans are not really there. You feel like you're an away team, even at home, regardless of what country you are. So, like, it, it's always funky with, like, CONCACAF, like, tournaments and, you know, qualification games. But, you know what, for a B team, honestly, like, on paper, we're, we're honestly, I, don't ex- I didn't expect more than maybe a semifinal from the U.S. So the fact that that we got this far, is good. Um, mm-hmm. It's a bonus if we make it to the final. Yeah. Remember, like the the Nations League passed already, so like that's the A squad. These guys are basically gonna fill out like positions, you know, possibly like ten through like twenty. So you know, if someone's injured, someone's not making a first team, like in Europe, 
these guys are pretty much going to be the replacement. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's really good that we can actually say we have a B team that's actually showing possible quality, especially at the nine, which is nice. Uh, goalkeeping has always been U.S.'s, like, best position for the last, like, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's great that, you know, it, it just continues, at least in that position. But it, it at least we're not um, – doing these one zeros like that I'm so used to seeing in the last like 15 years from the U S where we played down in quality, at least for once, like we're actually like going for goals, multi-goal games, which is nice to see. Right. So it's good to see that regardless of defense and remember we're in the interim of an interim coach. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, expectations I'm trying to like leave out because of the situations. Oh, all good points. All very good points. Absolutely. Absolutely. So looking forward to it. It's uh, it's nice that we have this tournament going on. And as you mentioned, Eddie, it's not the, the A squad, but it's still really, really exciting to watch these guys play. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, anything else with the Gold Cup or are we ready to move on to some uh, flash talk? I mean, you know, we could do a transition here. We could go from, hey, winners to oh. losers. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes or no. <laughs> yeah. Had to, had to start with it. Yeah. So, so we're. we're <laughs> so we're definitely going to jump into like the the this disappointing box office intake for the movie but before we get to that i want to actually just talk about the movie itself in its individual merits uh which for the most part i actually thought the movie was entertaining and fun not not nearly as good as uh maybe james gunn kind of indicated to the press that he thought it was but uh, i did think it was actually still entertaining so what did you guys think just general about the flash movie the movie we got i'll go first this time usually i let eddie go first I uh, I thought it was okay. I thought my favorite part was Batman. I thought Ezra Miller, his character was it was all right. Um, story was okay. It was just an okay movie. Um, and to highlight it, this is kind of a spoiler, but uh, not really per se. But I don't think they've seen the movie. Don't I I had uh, I had a flashback while I was watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I had a flashback of watching uh, the second Matrix movie back 20 years ago. And that has to do with the CGI. The uh, CGI was so bad. Yeah. it remi- I, I sat there in the movie and thought, this makes me think of that, you know, that fight scene in the second Matrix. And where it was cool 20 years ago, and it was really bad CGI, but we'd never seen it. So we, we let it go. Mm-hmm. But the CGI... For this movie is the worst CGI I've ever seen, which to me took away from the story and some of the good qualities of the movie, because um, it was just so bad. I think it was that terrible. It made me like I'm watching a movie in 2023, but feeling like it came out in you know <laughs> 2000. Oh, and I, I, I agree. Actually, so the, the, the beginning sequence, which actually was a pretty cool sequence, I thought, when uh, they they call uh, Ezra to come and help him. Uh, Alfred calls Elf, yeah. uh, Ezra or uh, the Flash. Uh, so there's the hospital scene when, like, you know, the building explodes and the babies are falling out. And my wife just grabs my hand, just like, oh, because, I mean, you know, she's a nurse, so she works <laughs> right, with babies. Right, right. The idea of babies, like, being in danger. I mean, obviously, it's a fictional story. But so it kind of gets to her a little bit. But then when we sing the babies, they look hideous and horrible and awful and like oh like yeah so, these, obviously you can tell these ain't real babies here's a funny thing there was a, a you know people got to see the movie at a show months ago mm-hmm. and you know when they wrote articles about it they thought they were watching a pre-production 
release of the movie. It was technically yep. mm -hmm. a pre-production. And I saw an interview with a guy that wrote the article that like, hey, the CGI is not complete, you know, so it's going to be even better. That's going to be good. Well, I saw an interview after he saw in the theater and he's like, no, I saw the theatrical version. That was the CGI I thought they hadn't finished, mm -hmm. but that was what was in the final movie. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one that thinks oh, no. it was that bad. You're not. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm just going to jump on. I'm just going to continue with that and echo it. Like, I was going to start with the bads of this movie so that way we can try to maybe end it on some good notes. Okay. Because this movie is <laughs> it's so, like, black and white. Like, when it comes to the CGI, like, I'm with you, man. Like, uh, Nick, like, you just mentioned, like, when they saw a pre-release of the movie and at CinemaCon, they did release it there yeah. for those who attended. That, that's what it was, um, I think, CinemaCon. Right. So when people saw it there, like I saw, I, I have a rule where I try to watch some critical uh, reviews of reaction, not details, just to kind of get a little vibe of what I'm going to go into. If it's a movie I'm pretty excited to see or hopeful of what it's going to, what the outcome is going to be. And yeah, I saw those notes of like, oh, uh, CJ is not done, but man, the movie has a lot of potential and, you know, they just kept it light. No, they didn't, you know, can't spoil anything. So Anna and I, my wife and I see the movie, you know, like, like you, Albert, uh, she's a NICU. She works with uh, preterm babies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she cringes at that point too, like, oh, the babies. And I'm like, oh man. And right away, one of the things right away we notice is when one of the, uh, uh, the cribs rolls down and hits like the beam before it goes out the window. Mm -hmm. that baby flies and if you look really quick it hits its head and i'm like dead <laughs> that, that one is dead i'm sorry that's a dead baby i missed one you missed one you're not that <laughs> anyway so he goes up and then we start seeing you know the the actual idea of that scenes i really like i was like oh fuck okay cool so we get there but unfortunately the CGI does take me out of it. And yeah. I'm just like, dang, like it just it, it just harkened back to Henry Cavill with the mustache, that infamous thing. And I'm like, dang, like guys yeah. are a huge like studio. What happened? Is it just did we just want to get these movies out from the pre uh James Gunn stuff? And are we just not touching up anymore? Is, is it kind of like screw it, get it all out there? You know what it, it just showed that. For something that James Gunn said, this is one of the greatest comic book movies ever. You're not, uh, you're not at least putting in that extra worth of money into the investment that you feel it's supposed to represent. And you are the president now. It wasn't your movie, but you gotta still invest in those little scenes that mm -hmm. can. Remember, this is the this was supposed to trap us into the movie, and maybe for a lot of kids, you know, 14, 15 and under, it, it won't matter. <laughs> But for those like honestly 18 and up, like we catch these things. Like, we're in a digital era where it's like there's quality even from like the most basic TikTok videos. So like we have an expectation now that's not 1999 Jurassic Park or anything. So uh to your point, like that was the thing that kind of took me out of it. But you know, there is a lot of good things in this movie. I actually do like uh, you know, it's not flashpoint, it's not injustice. But they do take a little bit of both um, from that and they make the best of it. I think Supergirl was fantastic. I, I really like, I mean, it, it don't, 
at some point it did feel like Batman featuring the Flash. I'm not gonna lie, but right. I mean, it, just seeing King back, um, I think mean, the guy can still act regardless of the fanboy that I, I was geeking out at certain scenes. I'm like, oh my god, I'm back in like 1992 again. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just felt good to see him back in it in a in a, in a character that he genuinely loves. Ezra Miller, he had really good scenes. There was just there was just you can tell there was editing done. Um, I, you know, and we can jump on that at some point, I'm sure, uh, where it just, it didn't feel like complete where there's moments where Ezra can get the audience caught in the emotions of the movie, but, and then it, there's, there's parts where they just kind of cut and then it just breaks off into something else. And you don't get a soak up like the character development, unfortunately, especially when there's two versions of Ezra Miller's character. Um, so it kind of sucked. Uh, especially even the the romance scene, uh, there was not much of that. I thought she had a bigger role in there. She really the same like she was in Justice League and Justice League remake. You know Zack Snyder, so <laughs> you know it, she wasn't really the, all all that invested in it. So you know I'll I'll, I'll stop it there. But it, there were good stuff in the in, in the movie, so maybe we'll jump on those. But the the, the negatives, I think for sure, the CGI was a thing. I, I you can tell, especially when they're in the um, Oh my gosh! When he goes in time, what's it called? The, the Speed Force. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When, so the the idea of the dial, right? Like a clock. I I like that. I like the dialing of like time and you know like shutters of time and images. That's nice. Unfortunately, it looked like like sketch work up there, man. It was so. When my wife set throws out the Eddie, what's going on? Like. <laughs> and she's not that in it like that and for her so for a very casual fan like her to say that you know that translates to like thousands of people that saw it and will not recommend it to people because it just they shorthanded the movie and it, they did it injustice bam take that look sarah had the same feeling like i don't know after the first scene which were we're like hey there's like three stories of a collapse of a hospital building but he only saved like one level what about the other people we just but like she looked at me and was like this is stupid like she was kind of ready to go and i had to be like hey i gotta watch it because we're gonna talk about it but she wanted to leave (laughs) like it was that bad for her so yeah yeah yeah. i I made her stay so i would actually be able to talk about it no okay well thanks for sticking it out (laughs) oh the horror i had to watch a bad movie Uh, but I mean, as, as Eddie mentioned, I think there are some like, bright points to the movie, some things that were cool, mostly, I guess, like fan service things, if you want to call it that. Uh, so like, I mean, I liked the uh, obviously, I would agree that Keaton was fantastic as Batman. It was great seeing him again. Uh, and even just subtle like uh, Easter eggs or references to the first movie I thought were cool, like his uh, mm-hmm. his line of let's get nuts uh, he, that he still has the Joker's laughing box walkman thing that's still laughing yeah. you know like right. 30 years later <laughs> yeah things like that i thought were kind of cool so uh what what did you guys think of like i guess also the, the movie was just filled with cameos as, as we're going to that whole sequence of like ultimate universes like colliding with each other with all various uh dc uh characters we get to see did you guys like that aspect and another fan service from the movie that we got to see okay. i think i think that's why most people do like it mm-hmm. it's those moments because you're getting to see, as we all have said, Keaton and Batman was great, uh, and some other Batman characters and 
other DC characters. Like it brought back nostalgia and emotional. I think that part was emotional for people because it took them back to their childhood. Mm -hmm. um, but like it could have been so much better if it would have just looked clearer. Mm -hmm. You know, the CGI was so bad. We didn't like to me, I didn't get to go as deep as I thought I should have in that connection because the CGI was so bad. Like it was worse than watching, you know, the original Superman on VHS on an old tube TV. It seemed like it was worse quality than that <clears throat> on the big screen. So once again, it's like you're trying to draw me in, but then the quality takes me out of it personally. Like every time I started to get drawn in, things like that would happen that took me back out and just made me go, okay, so they didn't actually care about the quality of the movie. They just threw in fan service to make people happy. And, and it was enough fan service. Like Keaton's Batman was enough to watch it for me like because i got to see his batman really kick some a in modern tech and fight in like a modern suit you know for today's technology like it's funny batman had good like his cgi stuff was good none of his stuff was bad if you unless you can think of something to me like they really focused on batman well, kind of seeing everything. that that was the main marketing <clears throat> ploy that they wanted to heavily promote. Yes, Michael Keaton's back in this version of our our uh, the Flash movie, which I thought was cool. Uh, what did you think, Eddie? For for like, I guess the fan service aspect or or Easter eggs. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll try to remember from I guess chronological. Like, obviously, the ending was like the big showcase of the greatest hits ever. But like um, from the beginning, like going back to Wayne Manor. Um, so what I actually liked is that I'm. I really like uh, Ben Affleck's Batman and that small little conversation um, that they had of what it means to change time and things like that. But mm -hmm. uh, once they, they, they kind of just like, no pun intended, but like speed into just the past right away. Right. So he gets there, he's already in the past now and um, you know, he loses his powers. So that's a thing. I really like that. That was funny, but the, the big nostalgia things that, I remember right away was, you know, seeing Wayne Manor, you know, uh, both uh, both uh, flashes, you know, the the would be and the current, they go inside and then going into the kitchen, you know, like I just <laughs> wait, uh, Kate, what was her name? Kate, uh, the love interest of uh, Batman in the first one. Oh, uh, Vicky Val. Vicky Val, but uh, I was trying oh, to remember Kim Basinger. Yeah, like, Kim Basinger. Basinger. Oh my gosh, I said Kate. So like them two just there. I actually really like that scene. I know that's one of like the slower scenes of the OG movie, but like being back in there, I remember seeing it and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I I just recalled Alfred talking to them, saying his yeah. story right there while they were listening, and then he walks away. You know, he goes, "I leave you two lovebirds alone," kind of thing. So it was really nice, like. That was one of Bruce's more intimate scenes in that movie. And that's the first place we see him. So that means like for Bruce Wayne, like to this very day, because Alfred was the one cooking. Remember, they ate soup. Yeah. What was he making? And, you know, he was going to make soup and then he ended up making spaghetti and, you know, because of what was going on, because he had to explain, you know, time travel and parallel and all that. So it was really nice to see that um, and then just kind of go through the motions. And then the next one I remember was uh, 
the bat suits when he goes to open up uh you know his yeah. and then there they're all if you can i just remember trying to like look really quick like scan with my eyes like see what he can get and they had the 19 or the cartoon uh, uh the batman costume there on the left i think it was and then they had like a body armor one they, and they had like uh I think it was uh they had a lot of them. They had the Nolan one, but yeah, they had the Nolan body suit, but the mask was still the Keen look alike. So mm-hmm. it's like acknowledging that all the other multiverses of Batman, as if you know, in this version, I wear this suit most of the time, but sometimes I wear these other ones that in another universe that's actually their main suit. So it was kind of a nice touch of like, you know, to see that. So it was really cool to see that. Obviously, the vehicles. I mean, that was fun. The Batcave, like all that. I mean, every kid's dream, dude. Like growing up and you have like fan fiction toys. Like that's it right there. So um, I remember those were like huge marks. Like, okay, cool. But again, to like when Nick was saying like, these are fan service moments. These are bridge points where it's like, ah, ooh, and the ah. But I I just wish the thread of story just kind of was more elevated for a big movie like that. Because regardless of Ezra Miller's issues and the the change of uh leadership at dc it, it just shows maybe andy muschietti had a great idea but just the script wasn't redone enough to kind of just elevate the movie but also it could have been editing too i heard i heard it was a lot of editing a lot of take out of stuff characters and even scenes so just because of you know where dc's going so i think the movie suffered for it but at the same time there were a lot of oohs and ahs that were enough to enjoy the movie even without those, there were some good things of just flash. It's just unfortunately the 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 main thread of bad really is uh, for me is editing the CGI. It just kind of took me out of it a little bit. Where the the idea of saving Supergirl instead of uh, Batman, you know, the Kryptonian, you know, that's straight out of uh, you know Flashpoint, and I love that. I love that it wasn't Superman. That you know, switch it up. It doesn't have to be Superman. Cool. Let's change it. But like dang like we couldn't capitalize on it and, and it sucks because i really like the idea of there's no meta humans because superman never arrived or superwoman never elevated herself to kind of mm-hmm. give hope and stuff like that so i really like that and i love the relationship of her and zod and how he still viewed her sorry i'm jumping ahead but like uh it, there's good things man it's just uh like not executed well at all. That's the unfortunate part. I think that's the theme of this movie. It just wasn't executed well because the, the idea, the bags of ideas in that for Flashpoint or a rendition of it are so good. But yeah. Now this movie takes place after the Justice League movie, right? Yes. 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 Okay, so one of my critiques is like, okay, like what character development did we get with the Flash? It's his movie. And we did get some for sure. But I'm also like, well, but this is post Justice League. Like, did he not grow up at all from that experience? It seemed like what happened in the past hadn't changed him that much or as much as I would have thought. Well, I guess it did a little bit because he was able to be a mentor to the the younger version of himself, the one that who just got his powers, I guess. But I, I see your point on Nick. Yeah. But well, I just know in I the, think there's a, maybe a little bit. Of he growth. didn't question what he was doing that much yeah but i'm like you've already seen a lot and know 
like you're not you're not a dumb person so even back to the conversation with bruce wayne mm-hmm. like in the warnings and just how easily like eh whatever um i just thought they could have done more on the character side like m- more of a struggle more of that like internal like yeah i probably shouldn't do this but i really would love to save my mom see my mm-hmm. family again mm-hmm. and cuz that's his main that's his story arc period Mm-hmm. every flash thing you get that's one of the main struggles he goes through i yeah. didn't think they focused on that more they gave us more fan service mm-hmm. but not developing him as a character as much as i think they could have yeah like i would say like so to be devil's advocate right so in the in the time in the time and uh, the time span of i guess the timeline of those movies right like justice league uh Batman versus superman um, it seems like Justice League and Batman versus Superman, um, like those are pretty close together. It's not like they're years apart. They're more, it seems like they're at most a year apart. So I think the Justice League, regardless of Zack Snyder's version or the other one, um, it's more of like, I, I feel it was very, still very close together because the supposed scene in the beginning that we're supposed to get truly wasn't just Wonder Woman, Cyborg was supposed to be in there and Superman was supposed to be in there. It was right. all actually them landing together with um, Gal Gadot's character to kind of have that moment with Batman and, and uh, Flash and then they just kind of go off yeah. into their own thing. So back, I don't... But back who to knows normal. If, right. So who knows if that right there was supposed to be two months later or something. So I only say that to say maybe because he still is fresh off, you know, being accepted as flash openly maybe he's just kind of doing the work without <laughs> pun intended now uh to slow down and just see where he's actually doing with his life so he questions it with being kind of the errand boy for for bruce but that's also bruce kind of seeing him as you're too immature right now to kind of take leadership this is why i'm having to do the grunt work um and then to kind of push through the movie I think the movie had so many potentials, especially the heavier scenes with the mom, what it meant to save his mom. But right. when he, and this is where the editing comes in, where it, it, I would I would have said to you, if the editing was not hampering the movie, I would say to you, Nick, no, there actually is heavier development. But unfortunately, I can't say that because you can tell the moment he has that conversation with Bruce about you can change it or destroy everything talk, which was nice to have that. Like, um, here's your warning sign. Here's your yellow light. Are you going to run it or not? He obviously runs it because he's going off emotions. The thing is, though, he goes into the speed force and then right away, it's like it just kind of cuts into him like in that new timeline where his mom's alive. It's very quick. If you see it, it's like, oh, we're here. And for a second, I even looked at my wife like, wait, what? Like, did I blink for two minutes? And did I miss him going there? And just, it it just felt like it was like, okay, here, Speed Force, right into it, and bam, I'm here. There was no indecisiveness to make you go like, should I really do it? Should I really not? It was like, oh, thanks, girl, for giving me that advice during the date. Thanks, girl. Bam, I'm back. I'm now in, in the past. Like, that's all it was. It was so fast of a thing that I wish it was more, like, to Nick's credit, like, a struggle of, like, doubt. Like, do I really do this? Do I really listen to Bruce? Because Bruce is supposed to be the mentor. He's the Tony Stark to uh, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, 
that's what they're going with. Make him, make us feel like, dude, don't do it. I mean, we know don't do it, right? Like as the audience, but make us kind of forget that. And, you know, it would have been nice to have a couple minutes even of just that. Because uh, Ezra Miller can sell it, but they didn't mm -hmm. give that to him and we didn't see it. So once he's there, you know, yeah, there's some funny stuff with like, you know, oh, uh, you off to college and all that, you change your hair, sure. But unfortunately, emotionally, we're just kind of along for the ride that we weren't emotionally invested. So by the time the heavy scenes hit, it just felt like a little too soon, a little too late. Yeah. Because that ending with the mom would have been huge. Like, I could have believed it way more if there was just something 30 minutes or an hour ago to make me go, oh, man, when he sees the mom later on, if he does it, it's going to suck. Like, I never got that. I got it and I, I saw the crying. It was like, dang. That would have been nice if, and I had that if in my head. So, you know, that's where I'm at with it. But, uh, you know, that I, I think that's the overall feel of the movie. You know, it's just the the, the, the editing, choppy, and uh, the CGI. But there were good, fun stuff. <laughs> I don't want to be a Look, Debbie Downer, you know, but there are some good stuff. For sure. There's good, fun stuff. I just don't think it's worth talking about because overall, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not going to recommend people really, like, oh, you got to see this. I'm like, eh, this is something you watch for free when you got time to kill and there's nothing else on. To me. What do you, what do you think, Albert? I mean, like, oh. Oh, I mean, even hearing, like, Nick and I, like, kind of go through the motions of it, but it's like, what, what do you feel is, like, the negative and positive of the movie for you when it comes to, like, the overall feel of it? Like, did you get invested in, like, Ezra's character or any other part of it? I didn't really get as, as invested as much. In fact, uh, we'll, we'll come to this later because when we talk about the reasons why the movie uh, didn't do as well as, I mean, I'm sure the executives thought they were going to be. I mean, I, I had seen uh, Across the Spider-Verse, you know, just before. And mm -hmm. Across the Spider-Verse, I think, did a really excellent, phenomenal job. And as you just described, Eddie, making sure that the we, the audience, are invested in Miles Morales' character and his relationship with his parents. I mean, that would be the benchmark on how to do it. And, and to your point, Eddie, I think uh, The Flash maybe, not, not directly, but I mean, I guess somewhat tried to imitate it, but not as effectively. So I think I would agree with your take and your assessment as to what kind of went wrong as far as like the editings go and, and the, the story pro uh, progression. Um, but as far as like just the spectacle of it, even though, yes, the CGI was poor in certain aspects, I did think it was actually uh, an entertaining movie in that regard. But as Nick would say, yeah. So, I mean, unless you're a hardcore superhero fan, I probably wouldn't say, hey, go to the movie theater and see it. I would probably suggest wait till it's available on uh, on Max. Uh, that's what they call HBO Max now, right? Just now. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait till you can stream. That is its own episode of yeah. <laughs> bonkers. That is multiverse in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but I, I, in regards to the fan service, though, there's so there's two cameos that I wanted to discuss because actually I think these these are actually kind of interesting. The stories behind them. So yeah, Nicolas sure. Cage appears as his own version of Superman, which yep. is so cool to think mm -hmm. that you know people may not be aware of this, but in the 1990s there was almost a superhero a Superman movie starring Nicolas Cage, yep. directed by Tim Burton with a script mm -hmm. by Kevin Smith called Superman Lives, which I guess was supposed to be a loose adaptation of the the Superman the death of Superman comic book art with doomsday uh and my understanding was the movie was so close to production but for whatever reason it just fell through 
And yeah. I think there's a documentary about that, like the death of Superman lives. So I might have to try and check that out. But it's on YouTube. I've seen it, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. nice. Yeah. So it was kind of cool just to see that uh, that we get to see Nicolas Cage on screen uh, as Superman. But I remember back in the 90s hearing about it, thinking, you know what? I don't think this is a good idea, especially because of how (laughs) bad uh, the Batman and Robin Clooney movie was. Right. Right. (laughs) But but that being said, it was kind of cool just seeing an alternate universe. That movie does get made. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought it was. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, I try to stay away from like any spoilers. stuff. like, you know what? This this movie could go very south, but uh, let major surprises. And sure enough, I'm not gonna lie, I was not a I okay. When we see Christopher Reeves, like that was fun, like mm-hmm. cool, yay! And then you see that Supergirl, great little throwback. But I was not expecting a Nicolas Cage one. When I saw that, I yelled. I didn't <laughs> care. It was it surprisingly my uh showing had an almost full audience there. Um, we saw it on opening night. It, it was uh, or not opening night. It was uh, just like opening a, weekend. Not, yeah, opening weekend. But um, it, a lot of people showed up, and I guess you know a lot of us were just aware of it there because we all were cheering, and it was a nice crowd that reacted to Nicolas Cage because once we saw him, I'm like, okay, this this moment represents the movie. It's crazy. And you know it's just it's crashing and everything's going falling apart. But you know what? Screw it. We're here. Take it or leave it. Take all the good here. So seeing that and like like you said, it was actually almost done. He was supposed to actually go to the remnants of Krypton in the movie, and to actually see him there finding some huge ass bug or whatever that was. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, just like just go there, man. Just take it there. See what happens. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know. So it, it was fun. I mean, I, I a lot of people I was hearing behind me were like, I told you it was going to be there. I knew it. Like, it was just cool to like kind of hear like some people trying to call it out like that. So it was it was it was a nice fun uh, uh, bounce back in the movie, at least toward the end. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it was yeah. fun seeing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one more uh, cameo that I want to bring up, which, again, this is kind of an interesting story, too. It would be the very, very end with uh, George Clooney being his version of Batman. And again, yeah. I, I, I pooped on his version in his movie many times and I will continue to do so. But uh, <laughs> as you said, uh, so is that this also involves Kevin Smith. So actually, I remember reading on an online article, apparently Kevin Smith, you know, f- notable filmmaker who's worked with DC projects before. Uh, I guess he had some insider information. Apparently, he was saying that Warner Brothers had uh, reached out to Christian Bale multiple times, multiple times to try and get him to be that version of Bruce Wayne, the one at the very end with Ezra. And Bale turned him down flat, basically saying, uh, allegedly, if this report's true, that Bale would only consider coming back if Christopher Nolan was involved. And we all know that Warner Brothers and Nolan aren't on a good terms yeah. anymore because of yeah. what happened with Tenet, uh, which I, I would say yeah. is Warner Brothers loss, really. <laughs> so it, it is kind of interesting to, to learn that had Warner Brothers had good relationships with Christopher Nolan, we probably would have gotten Christian Bell at that sequence instead of Clooney. But it almost seems to me that because of the health of Val Kilmer, uh, basically Clooney was your only other option. Right. right. <laughs> That's true. You, you raise a good point. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so, but again, the fan service was interesting and cool. But at the same time, um, I would Did say like that Clooney Flash didn't do it as well as uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which gave us the, the 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 fan service, but also a compelling, interesting story to go with it. So I think that right. was maybe kind of was lacking with the, the Flash movie. I would agree. I would say with, with the Clooney thing, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I poo-pooed his movie, too. 
Um, but you know what? I was actually surprised and happy to see him in it. I, I know the backstory, like you said, about, uh, you know, Christian Bale saying no, like mm-hmm. I, I will never, you know, wear the, the cowl again unless, you know, Lone's involved. So that means cameos as well. Mm-hmm. But honestly, seeing uh, Clooney there, he's not Batman. He was never a Batman, but he could be a nice Bruce Wayne in a Bruce Wayne only movie. But when it comes to at least like that little moment, like honestly, I liked it. It was to me, I took it as like a Planet of the Apes moment. You know, it's like you think you're back and then you're not really back on the same earth that you thought you were. So I just took it as like that funky, wonky ending comic style, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I like seeing I like seeing him there. I'll, I'll be honest, I started laughing like of course, man, just throw him in there and like sell it, you know, freaking Ocean's Eleven style. So uh, it was fun. I liked it. it. If anything, it it lets me at least think of George Clooney's Batman in a better way at the end <laughs> from what it's been for, you know, almost two decades. So, you know, I, I'll take the little victories of like, you know, I, I remember the positive of him at the end. So I'll take that. He's doing well. He's great out. Seems like he's still a good bachelor out there. With All right. Here's a question. Do Now that it's it's been a while, we're talking about the old Clooney Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> do you think he did the worst job as an actor or did he do an okay job? It was just it was a crappy movie. Like who could have done that Batman where you'd have been like, wow, I don't even think of Michael Keaton and that film who I love. I think the movie sucked and the story and what they did with Batman that you'd be hard pressed to find someone that's going to make that going character in that movie. I'm just curious if you look back on it now, because I remember having this conversation with my brother when it came out, like, you know, Clooney did an okay job with what he was given, but what he was given was nothing. No, I, I agree with you, Nick. In fact, I mean, it's often been said that like, if there's a real life Bruce Wayne, it's probably George Clooney, but <laughs> that's part. Happy- I think, I agree with you. And I think that's deep down why everyone is like, oh, you know, maybe we could get a Clooney Batman like they just did the Michael Keaton. We finally get like a a better version of him. Yeah. That we really want to see. I think deep down there's that potential psychological connection of, (laughs) you know, all right, Eddie, you're laughing. You you think he did a horrible job. I'm taking. No, no, not even. You know, if anything, I'm just going to echo like what Albert just said. I actually. I've had this discussion with my plenty of times. We're like, all right, let's rank our Batmans, you know, that that fun thing. But yeah. let's rank our Batman. Let's rank our Bruce Wayne's. I actually have Clooney in my top two as Bruce Wayne because to me, he's he's that in real life. It, it was an easy sell, like Tony Stark to, you know, like the actual actor. Like, right. It, it, you're, you are already the character. So all you have to do is put on the mask. Unfortunately, not only is, and it's a big unfortunately on the YouTube. his mask with nipples dude the, the nipple game is insane so right. like that's, that's what i mean yeah. it wasn't his fault like he didn't was, do that i think he was given a script he was paid well enough and you know it was still regardless of val kilmer's uh you know even the one before uh with batman returns like it started trending downward but you know what it was still a huge franchise money seller at the time that for Joe Clooney, I mean, it looked like a no-brainer. Like, yeah, I can make a lot of money. I'll get a lot yeah. of exposure. Like, I'll do it. I'll give me the script. And who wouldn't did, have done it? Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't have done? Who it? wouldn't have done it if I thought? Remember that time? It's not like we have a whole MCU. That that was it. That, yeah, there was no other comic anything really. 
I think Blade was probably around that time, but that's it. So he did it. And I think it was obviously the, the Schumacher game. I mean, everything's colorful and rave like. And like, remember, they, they, they're two movies away from Burton's, you know, third movie that they rejected. And they try yeah. to allocate him to Superman, and that didn't work out. So it was just, just a money grab that I think George Clooney would just put it wrong time, wrong place. But I don't think he's the. I think he's, I think he's the worst Batman. I can say that with confidence. Gotcha. But that's not because of his acting, but because of what the movie, right? Was with Batman, like I mean, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, <laughs> no one could deny how horrible that is. I mean. The Ice Age, you know, like, come on. I was dude. just thinking like, that. Come on, man. And then Bane, a grunt, dude. He's an ogre, not even Bane. Like, yeah. So, it, you know, the whole thing is just, you know, bad. But when it comes to George Clooney, the Bruce Wayne, I actually have him top two. I think he's great. I, I think he, that's all I'm saying. That's why I, I think I cheered for him, you know, it, because it was like, yes, they, they gave me a, a good Bruce Wayne at the end. You know, but you know, he was if he hadn't showed up as Batman, I would have cringed. I would have been like, Oh my god. <laughs> I don't what are they gonna do with this at the end of the movie? You know, but they didn't. They kept the, the good grace and they sent him off to the sunset so he can hang his cowl on that. Mm-hmm. What so, I do yeah. like about the the whole thing with Schumacher, I mean, uh, he 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 since passed away, but he did apologize. So that, that was kind of cool. That <laughs> went on YouTube and actually right. there's videos of him showing, hey, I'm really sorry. It wasn't my intention to make a bad Batman movie. So <laughs> if only modern producers and people would yeah, feel we, the same way. We need we need uh, Ryan Johnson <laughs> to apologize too. So <laughs> yeah. I don't think we'll ever get an apology from that guy. No, no. He ruined my, my <laughs> So let's with, not go there. <laughs> yeah, this is not a Star Wars thing. Uh, okay. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the 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 flashes. I mean, the elephant in the room is how come it's doing so poorly in the box office. I mean, there's so many reasons people are throwing out. My my thoughts is that it's a car, probably a combination of several reasons. But is there anything that stands out to you guys particularly as to why the Flash movie is doing so poorly in the box office? I got a few, but Nick, I don't know if you want to jump on this one. All right, I'll go first. I'm, I'm going to go first a lot tonight. <laughs> I think um, you, in the industry, Hollywood is on a downward spiral. Um, let's go back. I mean, the MCU movies haven't been good. Lucasfilm hasn't been good. Indiana Jones, not good, not doing well. Nothing's doing well. Um, like Hollywood... Stop listening to consumers. Um, to me, they're pushing propaganda issues they care about. And we have a down economy. And so now people are being pickier with their money. And it's like, eh, no, you're trying to push stuff on my kids or whatever, whether it's true or not, people think it. And uh, like I like I said, I didn't even necessarily care to go see the movie, but I knew we were going to talk about it. Um, I was excited for Batman. So I wanted to go see it for that reason, but that was it, not because the Flash. And I feel that way with everything coming out right now. Um, yet I just saw Sound of Freedom, and that was an amazing movie. You should see, very emotional and like an old to me an older type Hollywood movie. Oppenheimer that's coming out. I'm super excited to see I'm that. Excited for that one too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I saw an interview where Downey Jr. said like, "Hey." We're trying to bring back cinema. 
like we're, we're really trying to bring back what the cinema was in this movie and uh, i think hollywood and they just got greedy like disney kind of took control they could do no wrong until they did nothing but wrong and haven't course corrected and we're still going to continue to see two or three years of kind of bad stuff from lots of places until they you know they'll make the changes now hopefully but it'll take two three years for those changes to take effect and get us more just classical hollywood movies with just good stories and character development and less propaganda and stuff i have a much like an hour-long answer to that but that's my short <laughs> answer mm-hmm. because yeah. if you go on the if you go on youtube you see everyone talking about those things like they're not talking they're not caring about story and when people critique movies they just call them names they're not actually listening and so you could like we can all see this i could see this coming i still see it coming the mcu movies are still going to be bad lucasfilm stuff still going to not be that great so why would we get anything that good except on a rare occasion of sound of freedom and oppenheimer and so yeah i mean i'll I'll jump on that a little bit when it comes to the the tone of movies lately has been and i think just i i think studios need to understand that you know we as an audience in general right general audience is smarter uh, than what they think in terms of like our expectations what we expect from a movie um, when it comes yes, character development, tone of the movie, delivery, things like that. Like, it, uh, I'll, I'm going to bring up two movies. I'm going to bring up Black Adam and then I'm going to bring up Joker. So mm-hmm. Joker and Black Adam, right? So one of the the, the things uh, I, I refuse to accept is that uh, it's saturated market of like comic book movies. There's a lot of them. No, it's not that. Because Black Adam came out with the biggest one of the biggest actors in Hollywood where you can make a lot of money with this guy Dwayne Johnson and he's a big seller unfortunately it's the movie it wasn't uh the, the movie just didn't seem cohesive it, it I mean we, we you can go about like how the, the story would just felt like very like shorthanded and superficial to that that one kid which is annoying everybody that I know including me and the flash felt like that so it wasn't like these movies didn't have the budget didn't have the the resources to be good unfortunately they didn't give a good story all the all the explosions all the graphics can be done um, you have the, the actors names but the story at the end of the day is what gets people back to talk about it to come back the next week Whereas the Joker, you can remove the Joker from the title and it could just be a, a guy with schizophrenia or a guy with psych, psychosocial issues. And that is a freaking yeah. Oscar movie on its own merit. You just put the Joker in front of it to add a little extra to just draw more people to watch that. I mean, look at the results of that billion dollars for a movie that was supposed to be filmed as if it was an independent film. And look at it now. Now it's getting a part two. I actually have high hopes for it. Um, we'll see what happens, right? But The Flash wasn't treated like that. It had almost $300 million of money resources, not counting marketing. And it barely crossed $100 million in three weeks or almost a month. 
That yeah. is one of the worst flops ever. Not even like comic, but ever. So it just shows, and this is, you know, again, jumping off what Nick was saying is that you, it's not about saturated uh, comic book movies. It's about quality in terms of story. It, you don't have to make everything multiverse. And if it is, okay. But the 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 main uh, story should revolve around the main character at the end of the day. Like, why, like, Miles Morales, right? That is a comic book movie and it's animation and it's an offshoot of the traditional Spider-Man character, you know, just another rendition from uh, New Age Comics. But he's still selling tons of money because, again, it was about the story. And even though they had Gwen uh, in it, they had other uh, a shoot ton of uh, Spider-Man in it, it still felt Miles Morales. It still felt like when he was with his family, you felt the hardship of a teenager who has this burden of superpowers, which is very Spider-Man-like, regardless of who you put on as a character. It still felt like Spider-Man at its core. And it felt so relatable that when you go through that journey with Miles, it's like you feel that you you get his struggles, you get the motivations, you get why he shouldn't be Spider-Man or why he should be the exception to uh, the 42 Spider-Man bite. And in the flash, you just don't get any of that. The editing just what you could tell, like just ruin that scene at the end at the grocery store with the mom where he reverses time and takes out that jar and then that's it right it, it kind of resets everything sort of you know because at the end he <laughs> but at the same time it's like that uh the flash black adam and for sure it's going to be blue beetle and aquaman to close out the old dc they're all going to go through it they're going to go through this because also at the same time people have now lost faith in these movies because of the trend. Marvel wins when DC wins. DC wins when Marvel wins. Yeah. They're both losing. And then to jump on Lucasfilm, because it's basically 80% the same audience, that's not helping either. So when all three of those that's catching the, you know, the, the space opera magic and everyone's losing, it's not translating to good box office right now. Uh, that's why I think everyone was just so relieved when Guardians was pretty good went so relieved like okay like spider-man's good thank god at least we got some good comic movies finally it's sad to say that i almost have to tiptoe into these comic book movies now in the last three years i, I feel like when Thanos snapped endgame like yeah also snapped away all the it. goodness of <laughs> what's gonna happen in the next five years i'm sure COVID had something to do with it where people just feel uncomfortable to go out they'd rather stream at home i'm sure that's something Maybe two, three, no, five percent. I disagree. But it's not the whole thing, you know. But, uh, but I think it's a, a like a, again, like two, three, four percent of a hundred percent of why people may not be going. But for sure, I would put what we just talked about, like what you said, Nick. What I said, I think that's like the driving force of why people aren't going is that they're they're not recognizing that we under we don't want mediocre storytelling anymore. That comic book movies are so mainstream now they are supposed to transcend different genres as they should regardless of what it is but you can still give us a good script because the script at the end of the day whether it's a 50 million dollar movie or you know um fast x the most expensive movie ever made you can still regardless of the budget the the script is what matters i bet you we all be watching fast and furious right now if don wasn't always saying family and started saying something else so right. you know what I mean? Like 
that's just what it is. So Look, I would just that, disagree that it's yeah. COVID because like when when Top Gun came out, that was proof it was over. Like you can make a million billion dollars post COVID. Right. But again, I said it's only like two, three percent of possible reasons because there's a lot of people I know that aren't going to the movies, not because of COVID, it's because they got comfortable at home just streaming at home. Oh, right. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like with COVID, I I guess I should expand on that. It's not COVID being the reason. It's more of for two years, people got comfortable just being at home. I mean, when they did same day release of all these Wonder Brothers movies like Christopher Nolan's uh, Vu's movie with Dune, like all that. Yeah, uh, these big money that should have deservedly sold money at theaters. Unfortunately, I was one of those that went, "Well, I may just watch that at home the same day. Why am I going to spend forty bucks? You know, right. like, for me and someone else." True. Like, you know? So, it, you know, but I'm also a hardcore movie fan. I know a lot of people only watch maybe one movie every four months, so they're very picky about what they're going to watch. And like you said, if, if money's tight, I'm going to make yeah. sure I try to watch the better one, whether that's. Oppenheimer or Barbie or whatever you like, you know, so it's just, and I'm going to watch both. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to watch Barbie, ladies and gentlemen. The same. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, so I think that's what it is. I, I just think that they, they're failing to recognize the intelligence of us in terms of a general audience. And you can't just put name stamp. If Last Jedi should have taught them is that you can't just call it Star Wars and then expect to sell money. It has to be a good story. And I think it just continued since then into all these other movies. Albert. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Well, I absolutely agree with both your takes. I think it's it's very interesting to consider. And I mean, I, I wish Hollywood would listen. Uh, but again, we, we we have had the the gems, the, the movies that have been fantastic and good and that have actually done good box office. So, yeah, but but you're you're both right, I think, in your takes. And I agree. One aspect that we haven't really talked about yet, as this really pertains mostly to The Flash. Uh, that's going to tie into my my next uh, uh, discussion topic that I wanted to bring up is uh, the fact that, yes, they are resetting everything. So Eddie and I, we had a discussion about this earlier this year on an episode when we talked about Peter, uh, sorry, uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over as the co-president oh, right. of DC Films. So the fact that we have these movies and I, the reality is it's part of the old continuity and their fans are essentially told, Hey, these movies aren't really going to matter going forward. I think that could have played a factor as well. Uh, the fact that yes, uh, there's not going to be an additional yeah. flash movie, or if there is, that's probably not going to be Ezra Miller. Um, the same thing with blue beetle. I mean, I, I feel bad for uh, Miguel from Cobra Kai. I, I, I already feel like his movie's going to bomb before it even <laughs> comes out into the theater. So, uh, and then the same Miguel's thing- a fascist man. No, yeah. <laughs> or, or uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, George, George Lopez. Lopez. George Lopez is a fascist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then um, uh, Aquaman. I mean, again, with the bad press they got because of Amber Heard, hopefully they can diminish her role a little. Yeah. It just seems to me that until they actually do get these new slate of movies out under Gunn and Safran's leadership, that DC is going to continue to struggle along the way, is what I feel. So, but I wanted to ask you both. So, I mean, what do you think the future is for DC? I mean, under the new leadership for Gunn and Saffron, I mean, a few weeks ago, they did announce the new Superman and the new Lois Lane for his Superman legacy movie. So I'm hoping that uh, as we move forward the next couple of years, that we'll be able to see some really cool, compelling stuff coming out. But I'm just curious what you guys think the future could hold for DC. I have low expectations. I expect nothing good. If I get something good, that'll be great. But I have no reason 
even though it's James Gunn, I, I don't have my hopes up. I don't have my hopes up for any for Hollywood at the moment overall. But yeah, DC. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I'll give him a chance because you have to. I mean, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think you're right. It will be two or three years before we really get to see the new stuff and how will that be? What will he be able to do with it? Mm-hmm. I hope he does what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy, which I didn't know about before the movie. Never read it, never heard about it, and love it now. So i got to give him some credit. Yeah, I think um, pretty much like what you just said, like he, uh, James Gunn and Saffron, I think why they, they pick two is because Saffron's more of the business guy where if, if the, the creative mind of Gunn at least can have that control in terms of like just kind of guiding the next thread of movies and guiding how it's supposed to go, he's not going to have all that full-on pressure of, you know, leading and creating. So it's good that they divided it like that. So that way it keeps Gunn in his in his main strength more than anything. So in just on that alone, I can say there's hope because like you said, you got to give it a shot. I, I don't have high expectations because these movies have just trended downward. As much as I love Man of Steel and the Zack Snyder cut, like unfortunately, like the studio of DC did hamper the rest of these movies. You could yeah. see it, you could feel it. You know, I'll ignore like the like you know all the like the Marvel stuff, but just straight DC. Unfortunately, it's just been downward. As much as like as a DC uh, fanboy that I grew up being like loving these characters, I hope every movie I go to is always good. But you know, I, I had to temper those expectations. Obviously, after um, Justice League. The, the the theatrical version that from from then on I realized okay um, as much as I thought it was going to happen one way it's not so whatever Zack Snyder's cut was a gem of thing of a big thank you mm-hmm. but but that was us you know rooting for that and fighting for that kind of thing you know so I, I don't expect that going forward but now the smart thing is that they're giving time in between they didn't stop production on the joker they didn't stop production on um the batman movie that's coming out and the penguin movie or show that's coming out so that's good those will be our little appetizers knowing that this they're not connected in any way except the penguin to the batman stuff. it's just its own thing that we could just enjoy as offshoots which is nice sometimes nothing always has to connect it can just be a good movie and that's it so it'll it'll be nice to have that before the new DC stuff comes out, and it's good to have that space. Like we're gonna need like a taste cleanser right now, you know. Like we want to just forget DC, and I think they want us to forget about it. Like, hey, forget about all that stuff you just saw. Here's Superman Legacy. Two years later, I think it's been far enough now, but we can just go into it. The trailer, hope obviously needs to sell, but I think they're not gonna make as much money in Superman the first one. But it doesn't matter as long as it's a good movie. It doesn't matter how much it sells. If it's a good movie and the Superman and the Lex Luthor relationship clicks, the Lois Lane Clark clicks, then we're good. Because that trio right there is the Superman legacy. Like those three have to click. They have to make sense. So if that happens in that movie, I think from then on, you can start having a little bit more faith like okay we got one 
right? First quarter, first goal, cool. Let's keep pushing. The game's not over yet. But until then, um, you know, just palate cleanse this last bit of the year. And then in two, and next year, we'll get the Joker and, and I think uh, the Penguin show. So that'll be a nice little just let's forget about everything. So we'll see. I mean, the ideas of Gods and Monsters, I really like. I like that it's different. I'm glad that it's not the here, let's just make a Superman. Now we're going to make Wonder Woman. Now we're going to make, you know, Green Lantern. No, it's going off into things like deep cut stuff that James Gunn did with Guardians. And we're going to like or not like some of these characters for, you know, for whatever reason, but at least we're going to get new stuff that at least we can't judge this DC directly to the one that's coming up because they're going to be different characters for the most part. I mean, we may even get Justice League Dark at some point. I mean, the way it looks, we may actually get that stuff. These are things I never thought I'd actually see. So I think the potential's there, but well, you know, I think the like the the sentiment is I'm with you guys. It's lower expectations, but I won't rule out a win because you know a fighter's chance. All you need is one punch. So let's just see what happens with Legacy. Mm-hmm. One thing I would say is uh, my understanding or my take with James Gunn is that he does know the source material very well. So like you had mentioned, Eddie, you know, doing something like, you know, uh, Justice League Dark or just going really deep cut stuff like he did with the Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel. I think he's capable, but but at the same time, I mean, just temper your expectations, I guess, would be the best way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these movies I go into really, really excited and come out pretty disappointed <laughs> but there have been some pleasant surprises which have been really really cool and in movies that i expected to do good and sure enough they did so uh what's that to just wait and see what, what the future holds um for those again for the flash for those who are interested in streaming it i mean you'll probably be able to do so very soon i imagine so be, yeah in fact actually <laughs> uh, the transformers movie is going to be available tomorrow <laughs> yeah and i'm kind of bummed just... about that I, I didn't see it myself i don't know did you guys saw the new transformers movie the, no the no. Oh, okay no so one thing that got spoiled. I vowed to never watch one again oh. after that dark moon one, which I was forced to watch three oh. times. <laughs> three because of family. Oh. So, <sighs> so okay, so obviously the first one was a spectacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, cool. Going to the second one, I left like um, it's over. It's gonna keep getting worse. I got my face with the first one. My childhood is set on that. I will not right. ruin my childhood anymore. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that three hour debacle. I had to invest nine hours of that. And to this day, especially in the third viewing, <laughs> to this day, I've never hated my time more in my life. <laughs> I, right. I literally have PTSD of Transformers. I can watch the first one like uh, like it's great. But for me, I can't watch anything. I, I heard Bumblebee's great. More power to you. I'm sure it's great. You know, if I have kids in the future, I'm sure they'll love Bumblebee. It was all right. I, I will not be that dad. I'll be introducing anything after the first one. Okay, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But uh, what I did hear is I didn't see the the most recent one, the the Rise of the Beast that just came out. But yeah, what's got spoiled for me, and it was okay that it's got spoiled for me, and I guess I'm gonna spoil it for you two now as well, is that they did tease that there's gonna be a potential team up with the Transformers and GI Joe. And that concept sounds really, really cool to me. But at the same time, we look at how badly the movie did. I mean, hopefully the studios don't abandon those plans altogether. But we'll have to just wait and see. I guess we need new people. Yeah. To leave that, it's a good idea. But we yeah. need new people in charge. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, the flash should be available for streaming probably in the next week or two weeks. So uh, for those who haven't seen it in theaters, I mean, save your money. Just wait for it. Yeah, I have, I have a comment, Albert. Your box soon. Yeah. <laughs> I have a comment. I have a question. Uh-huh. If you will, or a thought on back to DC really quick. Yeah. I thought like, you know, what would give me hope? James Gunn doesn't give me hope. No offense. Mm-hmm. But like, what could give me hope? And it's my belief that, you know, what way, what made the Marvel Cinematic Universe so good? And I realized, you know, it was good. I liked all of them from the beginning. But it really got good when the Russo brothers did the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a game changer. And then they did all, you know, the rest of the Avengers. I love the Winter Soldier. Like, so for DC, yeah. please hire the Russo brothers. Like they understand characters. They get fans. Like they'll make you happy anyway. So, and I wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't lead it, but get them in on a couple movies. Cause in my opinion, it's re- ever since they've left Marvel's gone down. So it makes me go, huh? Kevin Feige. We thought he was the brain, but I actually reflect back on it and think uh, it was, he was the brain and that, he let the Russo brothers kind of do their thing and had everyone else follow that in my, a little bit. So we had some credit, but really I feel like, you know, now, now we know the Russo brothers said there wasn't a big plan. Like we thought there was that they helped put it together and Feige was involved, but yeah, I think uh, James Gunn hire the Russo brothers, get them in the DC. And I bet you'll start to see, seats start to fill in more i think it's an excellent point we have to look at the fact that it could be you know the unconventional picks that actually help out because it's kind of interesting to look at the russo brothers before doing the winter soldier they were right. they had done like uh tv sitcoms like they did episodes of arrested development and the tv show community so they never really had much expertise in doing like a big budget blockbuster movie but they knocked it out of the park yeah. And, you know, you talked about Nick, you going to the beginning of the MCU. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. was an unconventional choice to play uh, Tony Stark. But I mean, yeah. I guess if you go on that route that you pick the right people, even if they may seem unconventional, I think that could actually get people excited and, and get people wanting to go see these movies again. But I, I, mean, so I absolutely at, agree with your point, Nick. Yeah. I mean, look at James Gunn. He literally is that. He's he's one of those, too. He was one of those unconventional picks. Uh, even Josh Whedon. He only he didn't do too much before that. So I think it's about the scouting and but obviously the Russo brothers. I and I, and to jump on what you said, like there's already rumors of that. Because James oh, all right. Gunn and him, I haven't heard that. Because them and James Gunn, especially when James Gunn was fired, the Russo brothers was, weren't happy with that, how they treated him and Scarlett Johansson. Right. It had a lot of uh, bad taste in her mouth with uh, the old DC. Uh, or the old Disney uh, CEO, uh, Bob mm-hmm. Chapek, I think his name was. Um, so there was already talks of them maybe doing something in the future. And James Gunn already has mentioned their names a few times. So I would not rule that out. I'm sure there's probably going to be some space in between what if they are doing a one more MCU anything. Um, but I'm sure no, they they're done. Up. I thought they were done with the MCU. They said that after Endgame. Well, I did hear the rumor that was speculation it. they might come back for secret. Yeah. The one that right. would feature like everybody. Because I mean, like the comic book iteration is just so crazy. Well, it makes sense because 
they're screwing up all the movies, so let's get the guys back that did yeah. Endgame. So, you know, we can salvage what little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there would be some time because, again, the Marvel slate's been kept getting pushed back. In fact, I think like uh, Secret Wars is going to come out till 2027 now. So yeah. I think it's actually time. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> the, the writer strikes before. and all that stuff pushed everything yeah. back a year, pretty much. Yeah. At least for the things that are in de- development a year. Yeah. But yeah. the stuff that's coming out still coming out. But yeah, I, Russo Brothers, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I, I'm actually, I'm for that. I think who wouldn't be? I mean, if you had, you know, Kobe Bryant, like, as a free agent, you can sign him. Why wouldn't you? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's, it's give up everybody. You know, so you know, just I think it's just one of those things where I think whatever that relationship with them and and the MCU is, they're gonna fizzle that out at some point officially and openly. I right, I think they are possibly gonna come back for like probably producing roles, but not full director roles mm-hmm. for a couple movies. I think that's what the word was. I'm just saying, steal them, steal them. Oh, no doubt. I mean, they don't want to go back. They got bad flavor. I mean, mean, maybe they did. Remember, Chris Pratt is has not ruled out wanting to be in one of James Gunn's movies. He said already openly he loves a lot of DC characters. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Like, so it's just one of those things where I think right now there, it, in in behind the scenes, there's already a lot of talk because you have to develop this whole new universe. I think it's happening. I I just it's a matter of uh, time of when to actually announce it. And I think once the strikes are done, I think now they can. I think I'm sure James Gunn can legally start announcing actors to like movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so we'll see. I think the next year's Comic Con legit is going to be a big one because this year's it's no one's going. <laughs> so. <laughs> But next year, I think it's going to be a, a DC's year. I, I really do think that. I think we're going to get a, a teaser to Superman Legacy. I really do believe we're going to start getting, you know, the the the, the brickwork of what's going to happen for DC. And I'm so excited for that. That's the one thing I have hope for is that if, if Man of Steel told me anything is that S stands for hope. And I mm. hope they and I'm glad that's how they're starting it with this one. Um, I, I think it's a smart play. Because Superman is the hardest character to make relatable. But if you right. can make him relatable, you already won. Because Batman's human. Green Lantern is, for the most part, a human character. Uh, Wonder Woman, you know, she comes from the human element and mythos. But Superman is the alien that, you know, that tries to live a human life. And if you can make him more human than human humans are on Earth, I mean that's that's all that's awesome to me. So I think if you could do it with Man of Steel, you do it with Superman Legacy. That's how that's how I can picture it. Hope, man. Luke told me hope. I agree. Yeah, I absolutely hey, agree. Hey, by the way, I was gonna say Albert hiring unconventional people can also backfire. <laughs> Ruin Johnson. Uh, no, no, that's true. That, that's <laughs> good. Ruin Johnson, no. I mean what they probably should have done is hey, I mean no, Eric and uh, oh, he directed you. a Breaking Bad episode. Oh awesome. Oh, we directed the fly episode. Oh no, maybe we shouldn't get him. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. Well, uh, Nick, Eddie, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, that was all the talking points I had. So unless any you guys have anything else to bring up, I think we're good to go ahead and wrap up. I have one thing. I yeah. heard yesterday. All right, Albert, since we're kind of talking about Hollywood in general, mm-hmm. ha, why aren't, what happened to comedies? 
Uh, we kind of talked about this before, I think mean, last year, huh? This that, that everything's kind of more PC, that it's not really as funny. In fact, uh, I mean, like in, in my my age now and my stage of life, I don't necessarily go to like the rated R comedies anymore. But uh, <laughs> not that I ever did. Oh, sorry, I wasn't recording. But <laughs> no, you know, there were there were PG thirteen yeah. comedies. Oh we, yeah, that's right. We grew that's up. Right. That's that's more what I'm talking about. Like yeah, the more right, PG thirteen right. ones, because uh -huh. then you know teenagers can see them. But yeah. no, I heard. Uh, Adam Devine was on uh, the Theo Vaughn podcast because he uh -huh. has a new movie, a new comedy coming out. And uh -huh. they were just talking about how Hollywood is, how broken it is, like how hard it is to just do comedies when you used to get comedies and they wouldn't all be rated RPG, just that category. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. every month you had a comedy coming out mm -hmm. that, you know, throughout the whole year. And just how now it's like every couple months, if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so my point with that is just like Hollywood. Hollywood's really got to pull its head out of its rear end and start being Hollywood again. Make art. Make people laugh. Make people feel emotion. You know, all of them. So yeah, I'm not, say, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eddie. Go ahead. I apologize. When it comes to comedies, there were two that did come out recently. Have you guys had a chance? I'm, maybe on your own time, if you haven't. Um, there's two. Joyride is a comedy that just came out. Mm -hmm. Bashman, because I like you guys, I miss raunchy comedy. I think the last comedy I saw where I laughed my ass off was uh, Girls Trip. I think that one like had me laughing like crazy. But other than that, um, the Blackening. Um, it's it's just a group of uh, pretty much uh, uh, black Americans that are out and. It, the the subtitle of it is uh i won't be the first to die so they're going at the that's actual, funny they're going that's funny that's the whole point and you know it's it's supposed to be a horror comedy but you know hidden all the cliches of of that so that was one where i didn't get to see in theaters but we're waiting for it to pop up on streaming and we're gonna watch that uh that was one i if you haven't seen a trailer i actually laughed my ass off on the trailer I wish they promoted it more. I felt that movie could have been a movie that deserved to get an audience to watch it, but they didn't. They were promoting, you know, bigger set movies. So, yeah. And then Joyride, I, I seen a trailer of that one recently um, when I saw The Flash. That one popped up in, in my showing and it looked pretty good. So, I don't know. I'll probably give that a shot. But I've actually heard that's pretty good, actually. I haven't seen well, it yet, but I've heard it's pretty good. You know, for the sake of the conversation, those are two. Uh, one I didn't get to see, but The Blackening, I think that's one that's going to be hilarious because... Come on, you know, every cliche is Vipers and Dice Race and old school movies. So they're calling right. it out. They're going right. at it, you know, for what it is. Kudos so there. I'm glad it's that. It's an, so I'm glad they're they're going at that one. And uh, and then the joyride I heard it was actually a pretty good one. So hopefully I get a, a chance to uh, catch that one the next week or so. So those are just two comedies out there. Maybe give those a shot and maybe there's just some little diamond there. Very cool. I just missed the good old days when there were many more. More, those. yeah. I mean, yes, of course. I mean, scary movie still has a place in my heart. <laughs> very nice, man. Very nice. Uh, just the, the recommendations that I would make, and I mean, Nick and Nick and I will know this from going back to our growing up together. Like uh, Adam Sandler was one of our favorites, and it's true that in recent yeah. years, his theatrical movies have been pretty horrible, but his Netflix ones have been actually been pretty good. Like Murder Mystery One, and Murder Mystery Two with Jennifer Aniston. And then he did a Hubie Halloween, a Halloween one with uh, uh, Julie Bowen, her, his co-star from Happy Gilmore. 
So the Netflix Adam Sandler movies are actually surprisingly funny and good. But but you're right in the sense that they weren't released in theaters. They were straight to streaming. Yeah. So as far as like, you know, the the really funny, like, hey, let's, let's go see this. This new comedy is coming out because the comedy can come out anytime and we can any time of the year. And then we would go see it and have fun. But yeah, I guess that sense of fun isn't really there anymore. Right. Uh, like Albert, like our leaders, like they used to watch adam sandler movies with us and austin powers and so i'm kind of like okay i'm i'm a grown-up now yeah but like where's the comedies for the teenagers that we all grew up on mm-hmm. you know that our I parents were like oh no this is pg-13 i don't know if you could watch that uh yeah, i i would even say like think of like the best casts from snl right I mean, we can talk from early 90s, mid 90s, whatever genre of SNL you started liking of those actors. Look they did who movies. Out of, who, look who came out of those. Like a, a lot of big hitters, you know? So if I, I just look at the, I, I look at SNL and shows like that as kind of like, uh, like AAA to baseball, where it's like, you know, you have these feeder teams to the MLB, right? So yeah. like if the feeder shows that are are getting these talents and not and producing these talents aren't doing good then the main product of netflix or streaming in general or even the big movies you're not going to get those comedies anymore and i i I just think that in general like i don't know just the atmosphere comedy has become more tense because of you know pc culture and things like Mm -hmm. that that you know uh, when you can just openly take say a joke that you know I don't think any joke at any time in history has ever been taken 100% to someone's liking. But at the same time, it's always been kind of a sentence of the joke in general. Like, ah, it's a joke nonetheless. <laughs> and now there seems to be this gray area in the last five years of what's Joe, what's too much, la, 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 all that stuff. You know, I won't get it. That's a rabbit hole right there. But I just think that when you look at SNL, I've seen SNL here and there and it just looks, there are some funny skits here and there, but that's the key phrase here and there. Right. It it does. It used to be where SNL was nothing but hits. Like it just felt like I, it didn't matter what year I tuned back in for a few weeks and I could go on YouTube of the highlights or just watch the actual SNL and laugh. Now it's like, uh, I guess here and there I'll, I'll get some re, turning cast members from back then <laughs> to make it funny right but not the newer age uh actors to do it so you know i think comedy just in general has been through a funky thing i mean you know no one's really like enjoying comedy the same but i i love stand-up i watch a lot of stand-up um especially the stuff on netflix i'm, I'm big on that stuff um uh, i think because i did grow up in the, the snl uh in living color culture where it's like those were the shows you would get these different types mad tv you know i i never wasn't too much of a fan of it but i like the variety i was getting all right. that i mean these are all like comedies for different types of genres for different types of kids that love different types of comedy and you had it at so many different angles now it's kind of like you know you don't really get that too much because i think the availability of watching things anytime kind of saturates comedy too because now you the comedy now i I feel like when i see younger um, kids like it's what's on tiktok whatever's funny on there right or youtube maybe but but remember that stuff is not not professional it's very amateur 
so the, the expectations of what's funny is diminished <laughs> and everyone copies each other you know so you can right. see the music it's in music I'm like, too so John, Johnny Knoxville is doing a new prank show I mean he's so I, old I saw like, that like come on stop but did yeah, you guys I'm, watch the last uh, Jackass though just saying that was a good yeah. one yeah, I, saw I actually it. Liked with the new it. guys, the new recruits. Yeah. yeah, shout out to that movie. I actually really liked it. But that's what I mean. Like, where's the younger people to take over? Like, why is right. Johnny Knoxville? Where's like the young stupid kids? Like, every there's famous people on YouTube. How come no one's getting a contract to make something? You know, on the big screen. <laughs> that's I funny. Think. I don't know the answer, except I think Hollywood sucks these days. But. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was just curious, Albert. I wanted to bring that up really quick since we're kind of talking Hollywood, you know. No, no, it's an interesting conversation topic. If any of the listeners have suggestions or ideas, I mean, please feel free to reach out. But yeah, you're right. I absolutely agree with that assessment. Uh, but the good news is all the cool entertainment that we love, it, it's there. I mean, it was kind of cool just randomly flipping through Max, as it's called now. And Migos <laughs> is there. So it's like, oh, cool, three Migos. I can just watch it whenever I want. That's I still awesome. want to be able to buy it. But I mean, this... Uh, the the fact that entertain uh, entertainment from our our youth hasn't gone away is really great. I just hope that we can continue on in the future. Uh, but so we'll have to just wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Well, very cool, Eddie, Nick. Thank you again for joining me tonight. If there is nothing else, we'll go ahead and wrap up. But uh, gentlemen, I'd like to have you both back on. It's always a blast to talk to you both and talk about entertainment stuff like we like. Always a pleasure. Always yep. fun, guys. Thank you for thanks. Thanks, thanks, everyone. Thanks for having Happy us on. Awesome. So you've been listening to the Casting for Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.